0: Welcome to number thirty-eight. Can we just do thirty-eight? No, that no, thirty-seven. Welcome to episode thirty-eight. Although I do challenge that. I can look it up. Yeah. Uh, it's Bobby. Thanks for hanging. We're gonna do q and A Q&A here. Uh, I got on Facebook and I said, "Hey, what are your questions? Because I'll answer them." So we're gonna spend a little bit of time just answering the questions. Maybe stuff that you've also wondered about the show, or about me, or about anybody, and we'll answer as many as we possibly can. I have not seen the questions. Mike D's pulled them off Facebook, and so we'll just kind of go from there. I do. Uh, I, I guess I, I didn't get to a fight last night, because I try not to fight on the internet anymore, because nobody's a real winner there. When you fight on the internet, both people end up looking stupid, and I was on, and there was a picture of me with this new gold microphone that we have, mm-hmm. and this microphone's not to look like Rush Limbaugh, or Elvis Duran, or... Many of the other people who have gold. Ryan, I think Ryan Seacrest has a gold microphone. Yeah, yeah. All I knew, Rush Limbaugh did. I didn't know the other guys did, but it was just because we needed a new microphone and Mike bought a gold one. For that reason?
1: No, it just looks cool. Yeah. Okay.
0: (laughs) So, and I told, and we're trying to get the sound adjusted, and I was like, I keep the gold microphone because I like it, and so this woman was like, Hey, you were talking about Lana Del Rey, and you know, f off because (laughs) she made her own career and she's good. I never said Leonard Del Rey wasn't good.
1: Hey,
0: I asked the question if someone comes from a super wealthy family and it doesn't matter what industry it's in do we feel different about them making it as someone who had to overcome different obstacles who, come from, who comes from a super poor family? Mm-hmm. For example politicians most of them come from wealthy families. Because to be a politician, you kind of have to have money. Like you have to have money to run for politics or you have to have no money to run. There's really not a middle ground in that. And the first thing the governor of Arkansas asked me was like, hey, what what is your story? And I told him. He knew some of it already. And he was like, it's a good story. You know, because it's the normal person story. And a lot of politicians don't have that because a lot of them grew up with – Wealthy families, not all, but Landon Rey's parents are multimillionaires. And I was like, man, I know so many artist friends that struggle to eat every week, and to they lose money when they do shows. And do we feel different about them as we do? And my answer was, yeah, it, I do. Um, but I it was right, so anyway, I got to fight over that question. Did, how do you feel about that? What is your answer on that question?
1: I mean, I think after hearing a bunch of people talk about the grind and the process of like, you know, it's whether this is going to happen or not. And them having nothing to fall back on, it definitely kind of takes a lot away when somebody's just like, well, I
0: could just go to dad's money and I'll be good. And not that she's not talented. And also, to be fair, Mike and I both come from very humble upbringings. So we probably lean to the side of, we root for the poor people because we grew up poor. (laughs) Like really, we're both people who are like, yeah, we go with the poor people because we grew up poor. Exactly. But I said on the radio show this morning, my kids are going to have a different than me because... You know, I've been working hard and I have a really good job now, and I'm not hurting. I'm not having a struggle. And it's going to be weird for me because I would love for, if I end up having kids someday, for them to have to learn some of the skills of survival that I did. But then again, you know, one of my friends is Deion Sanders, and he grew up in in a bad part of town, right? Yeah. And he was like, you know, it's tough because now he's Deion Sanders, who's worth multi millions of dollars, and he has kids, and it's hard to teach them the same thing that you were taught because they just know what they see around them, and so that that was a, a conversation on social media. Also, the the Eddie thing that happened today, Eddie was, oh yeah, Eddie was late to work, and so he was so late, and the show had already started. That the rule has always been, and I forgot that I. I wrote about it in my book. That's how long ago. This rule's been in place forever, for years. Since you've been with the show, it's for sure been in place. for sure, definitely. But for years, the rule has been, if you're this late, and we have a time set, if you're this late, it's like 30 minutes before the show starts, just don't worry about coming in. Like, if you can't make it in time, you just don't make it. So, most people on the show get there 10, 15 minutes before that. They don't push it. Mm -hmm. Eddie pushes it a lot of times, Mm -hmm. like right to the minute. And so for me, if my time was, hey, you need to be somewhere by 7 p.m. every night or you're going to get in trouble, my new time in my head would be 6.40 p.m. That would be the time I put in my head. I'm the same way. (laughs) But everyone reacts differently, and it's funny to watch the people that are on both sides because they're passionate on both sides. Holy cow. And there are two types of people, people that time and respect is a priority and people that it's not. They don't see being late as as disrespectful to someone. For me, I'm not going to be late anywhere. If I can absolutely help it, I'm going to be early. I'm obnoxiously early. I'm the person that gets there and just sits in my car for 15 minutes because I'm so early that it's just weird. Yeah. That if I go in right now, I'm going to be annoying to that person because they've got to just deal with me just sitting there waiting on them. So I sit in my car a lot of places. But again, that's me having respect for their time. Now, some people may may not feel like that's a respect thing. For me, I do. I think also being late in life eliminates possibilities. Mm-hmm. It doesn't create them when you're on time, but it does eliminate them when you're not. If you show up on time, you're supposed to show up on time. Penrose on your nose, yeah. you're here when asked. and then. But if you show up late, it will penalize you some of the time. Maybe not all the time, but why cut yourself out of some opportunities?
1: Yeah.
0: So we had an artist come by today for a world premiere that we were taping for. Uh, a few weeks away, and a big artist and he was there fifteen minutes early and I was like this, this is why these guys are successful ninety uh, percent of success and is just showing up and showing up on time. I didn't say that I think like Woody Allen said that, but he also <laughs> did some really creepy stuff too so uh th- there was that that was a big thing on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram today but that's the rule, and I'm also a person where if you go get into an establishment and you know the rules, the rules are the rules. You don't have to like the rules, but if you decide to get in and you get in knowing those are the rules, those are the rules. Mm-hmm. So it's like school dress codes. I'm like, well, this kid get kicked out because his hair was pink, and everyone's like, no, free speech. I'm like, well, let's look at the school handbook before we start yelling free speech. Like, Did he already know that was the rule? Before he got – and yes, it's in there. Okay, they didn't create this rule and kick him out because the kid had pink hair. Yeah. He knew he couldn't do it. And whether you agree with it or not it's one thing, but it wasn't it already a stated rule. Yes, it was. So you can't do it even if you love pink hair. You can't do it. So it, it's already been stated. Like You have to get there at that time for our show. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, you go home. And that's it. And then it's difficult on everybody else because we had to tape stuff. We had to call in someone to do it, be a backup recorder, like to come video – uh, we had a, a whole crew in shooting TV spots for me today, because we're shooting this whole new campaign for television across the country, and it, it doesn't matter. I'm gonna get riled up, but time <laughs> is definitely um, a thing for me because I can control it. Uh, we well, have yeah, Facebook questions. Let's do uh, a couple of them first. Go ahead, Mike. All right.
1: Well, a lot of people are asking about. So oh. that's <clears> throat, that throat your, then, buddy. There your,
0: we go. Your political
1: stuff going yeah. on. Yeah. Talked about yesterday. So the first one. What party affiliation will you run for? Zero. None for?
0: right now. I actually was – my meeting with the governor, he asked that because I am an independent. Because I have things on both sides and I'm completely on one or the other. And so I don't feel like I have to declare anything right now. And I don't hate either side. I don't see someone from either side and go, ugh, they're that. So as of right now, I don't. I think I could run on both parties. I'd be moderate on both sides. Mm. If I ran as a Republican, I'd be a really moderate Republican. <laughs> if I ran as a Democrat, I'd be a really moderate Democrat because I'm not super conservative and I'm definitely not super liberal. I have different social views that are considered liberal and some that are social. So do I think people that are gay should be able to get married? Yep. Do I think we should have, be able to have guns? Yep. Do I think we should all have bulletproof vests? No. Nope. I mean, it's just all of <laughs> and those that's just two examples of little, but, No, I don't have, and and I talked to the governor about that. And I think I could just find, like, honest to goodness, I think I could just find where the weak spot is and slide into that party. I don't love the parties. I I hate the word two party system. Like, it's either A or B. I don't like that. But, so no, there is no party there. Well, yeah.
1: When you run for governor, will you continue to do the show until you are elected?
0: Uh, There's an official rule about when you do declare that you can't. So, as of right now, nothing is happening. I'm just going to say that, uh, and this will be the last, like, governor question that I'll answer on this, because I know people don't want to hear about that the whole time, Mm -hmm. but if it becomes a thing where I have to go out and campaign, I think I have to get off the radio. But as of right now, none of that's happened. I think March 14th is the date that I've set to declare what's going to happen, and I have a couple meetings I need to have with a couple people that have volunteered their time, and have been educating me and working with me. What people do is they try to get in on political campaigns early, so if you you do make it, they've been with you the whole time and they get high spots. And so I have some people that have been working with me and they've been great. And so if if it's in two years or six years or 10 years, who knows, but uh, although people on Facebook were just all over me about my clothes, I didn't wear a jacket. Oh, yeah. And I, I went to the governor's house and I felt a little dumb, but I was okay. And my shirt was probably a little too big. And people were like, where? At least where a fitted shirt. Do you, you, people think I have John George Pagianio come to my house and fit <laughs> me for shirts. Like I bought that shirt at probably a Nordstrom. And then I lost weight. And I don't have someone tailor shirts for me. And so it, the shirt was just a little big. And so people were giving me a hard time about that. And then the other one was they were talking about Lindsay's dress. And they were like, who would wear spaghetti straps? I'm just like, you people on Facebook are just wow. looking for <laughs> – they're just looking for reasons to be angry. They're looking for reasons to, to fulfill something sad or angry in their own life and put it on the internet. That's why I stay off there, and I went over to there today for like five minutes, and I got into like two fights immediately. I just walked right in, doom, doom, got punched in the face, threw a couple <laughs> of haymakers, and walked out. and didn't even look back in the room. And I was just like, why Why get on and just be negative I just would be nothing. I would get on and be like this irritates me X and then X this screen and then go to some funny gif of a flower pooping or something, yeah. you know. <laughs> I don't I don't understand why people are so negative on Facebook, but that's why I don't really look at the page that much. And then when I do I always tag it with BB because I don't read a lot of them. I Twitter Instagram all the time. Facebook I, I just can't. It's uh, it's not uh, it's not a good environment for me to be in. It puts me in a bad headspace and I feel like everybody hates me after I read Facebook. So I can't be there because I leave that place going, man, everybody hates me. How do I even do a radio show? Are people even listening? Because everybody hates me and it affects my mental Mm well-being because I feel like I am the worst, most disgusting thing to ever be on a public airwave. And so I can't read that stuff. I don't – listen, the last thing I need is to have my back padded all the time because that doesn't happen everywhere else either. And People call me out and the only time I'll ban somebody or block somebody is if they say the F word or they – you know, if it's – People need to see that if it's public, yeah. but yeah, that made me feel good. Um, and it's so
1: weird people do that when it's like connected to their profile and it's like – Yeah, like you can just link back just and link go, back hey. I, I can see where you work and I see all this stuff about you and you're saying this horrible,
0: horrible yeah. thing. Like I see your niece and nephews <laughs> yeah. and their play dates right now and I know what church you go to. <laughs> yet you're still calling me a mother <laughs> – yeah. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, let me talk about my bed for a second. I have a sleep number bed, and I love it. And this studio here is connected to my bedroom. And so my bed's probably 10 feet away. And the good thing about the sleep number is that when you lay, it's like you're laying for you. Because when you go into a store, you know they match the contours like your back. And you get your own sleep number. And if you have a bed and you and your partner, your wife, husband, boyfriend, girlfriend, I don't know who you lay with. Actually, don't care by yourself, they can have their own sleep number two, and you can have your, both sides a different one. That's what's awesome about it. Sleep number has been ranked highest in customer satisfaction with mattresses, so that's one of those JD Power things. My sleep number settings are 30 and my IQ last night. I didn't check it. should have checked it. I didn't check it. Uh, the sleep number store is awesome. 50% right now. Save it on limited edition bed during the ultimate sleep number event. Queen C2 mattresses start at 599 99 500 sleep stores nationwide. Call 800-NEXT-BED. Find one near you and you can tell them I sent you. I had a listener once try to tell them that I actually referred them and I, to and send me cash and they wouldn't do it. And I thought that was hilarious for <laughs> a listener to do that. But I, I do have a sleep number and I do love it. And thank you to Sleep Number for always sponsoring the podcast. Um, all right, Mike. On to some more questions. All right. One that we actually get a lot of calls about. Somebody asked, are the funny and alone shows appropriate for children? First of all, a stand-up comedy spoken word. I don't think I would take kids to. Just generally because kids aren't going to like one person standing on stage talking. Mm -hmm. Is it appropriate? I don't say any curse words. I don't talk – I mean you've been to many of them. The kids come. Mm -hmm. Well, It's not inappropriate. Like the content and anything – I would almost say that it's somewhat, for lack of a better reference – spongebob or shrek humor where there is some adult humor there but it's kind of masked a bit so no i would say you can it's ready pg-13 probably would that be fair yeah but i just don't think kids like a stand-up comedy show yeah that's the thing if they want to come great (laughs) they're they're not going to leave knowing new words they shouldn't have known beforehand the worst word i might say is tampon And I don't even really get into that, but that's probably the worst word that I say because I don't curse. And that's not even a bad word. That says not in the grocery – walk in the grocery store, it says tampon. (laughs) So um, yeah, we actually had a meeting today about the comedy special again as we're getting that thing ready. But yeah, it's not bad for it. But I just don't know any kids that would like to go to a stand-up comedy show. Uh, What else you got? Have you ever considered
1: starting your own record label?
0: Can't because it's against – it's conflict of interest right now for what I do inside of my contract. Would love to. They don't have the money for it. I mean, that's you have to pay for promotion teams and pay salaries, and there's a lot to it. Instead of just going, "This music's good," let me put it out. Um, I think that would be fun. I think I'd like to get into management, manage artists before I like to do record, and I think eventually I will do that. I can't in this contract that I'm in now. Um, but I just love music, so I, that question's cool because that means that they think I have decent mm-hmm. ears and eyeballs and so thank you for that but uh no i, I can't and i don't know that i would want to i have right now i've got other things going on that i'm really passionate about so and i got a second book that we're close to finish you know closing on i haven't even started really writing it yet but um i just don't have time for that yeah but what, it'd be cool
1: what's cool for me to see sometimes is people would tweet you like all the recent songs they've like listened to or downloaded and it's all like just music you liked or recommended yeah
0: no that's the biggest compliment ever because again I can't make anybody download anything I can't make people like anything but sometimes I hear things and I'm just like man that's really good and different you got my number you can call on me. like this Devin Dawson song all on me on me when you're mad, yeah. you mad you can take it out on me that's my head hitting the microphone sorry
1: when you look on get high on me Make it slow, take your time on me, settle in, let it out, come and lay on me. When it gets heavy, put the weight on me, baby, put it all on me.
0: Put it all on me. Like, that's a jam, and I was like, that's a jam, I like that. And I think I still have a normal person here for the most part. So, thank you for that uh, question. What else you got? Uh, what goes into the process
1: of creating a segment? Why can't I hear you, dude? Doesn't hear me now?
0: Probably creating a segment. Yeah. What's the process to creating a segment? Here's the thing about our show is nobody except me knows what's going to be asked or talked about on the show. Ray will have the best idea because I'll have to send him an email of sound clips that I need and he can go, okay, Bobby wants these clips. It's probably going to do this, but otherwise nobody sees anything, which I'm probably going to have to start putting Morgan in on a bit. But so what I do is before I go to bed at night for probably between 60 and 90 minutes, I read new stories. I... Check a page where everybody from the show, if they find an interesting news story, they'll put it up and say, hey, this is funny. Um, I go through my day, what I want to talk about, go through the news. And then I wake up in the morning and I do it again for another hour, hour and a half. So, and then I just kind of put them in the middle. And and usually we try to put the strongest segments in between that 6 a.m. and 8 a.m. spot because that's when the most listeners are there. And so we try to make it all good, but you just can't all make everything equal all the time. Um, So... We try to put what I think is going to be the best in the middle list where, the, the, middle-est, where mm. the most people are listening in the show. And so I have an idea and I'm like, okay, we're going to talk about Lunchbox's wife leaving a note on the dishwasher. And Lunchbox has already told that to me, but nobody else on the show knows about it. So I bring it up. We talk about it and I have no idea where it's going to go. Mm. I don't know where it's going to end. I don't know if it's going to end funny. I don't know if it's going to end terrible. I am not tears. And that's the good part and the bad part about our show is when it works because – we're not scripted or rehearsed or no one's telling anyone to say anything. No one's. It works wonderfully. When it doesn't, it crashes and burns, but it's a real-life organic crash and burn because it's just us talking about whatever the subject is. So that's what goes into it. Not too terribly much as far as preparation because the show doesn't know. I just try to pick where things go and how much time we have a certain time to talk. You know, We may have three and a half minutes here and seven minutes here and a minute and a half here. And I don't want to stick something that's really strong that we could probably talk about for a long time and in a one and a half minute spot. So that would be the answer to that. i to how many Carlos questions. Usually when you do the questions, everybody <laughs> wants to ask about Carlos. And the thing is, most of the show, the people listen, now don't know Carlos or Jill or any of the people were that were instrumental in the early years of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, are there Carlos questions?
1: Yeah, one person did ask about them. What did they ask? Let me see. Do they want to know why?
0: I've explained this many times. And if they don't want to know why, that's fine. And uh, Before we moved to Nashville, we were on in Austin. Before I was on in Austin, I was on in Arkansas. But in Austin, we were on for, man, 12 years or so. And so we had had a lot of friends come and go off the show. And some would leave because they were like, eh. Jill, my old first co-host got married and had kids and moved down to the valley. And was like, this has been awesome. But radio is really not what I wanted to do ever. But this has been awesome. So she moved off. Um, never got fired Carlos never got fired and Carlos actually did Mike D's job This is the whole world is so funny how this works so we leave and just this is a quick um, story Carlos was a producer of the show for years and we had to have somebody stay back in Austin as we went to Nashville and run the show from Austin because I was going to be coming back and forth a lot and still working out of Austin and I needed someone there as well and Ray had been working for free for a year and been crushing it we only had so many spots and I had to make the decision, like, who gets to go and who gets to come. And Ray was just dominating. And Ray had, over the course of time, outworked Carlos. But Carlos still was was really good. And so Carlos stayed back and ran our show in Nashville. And Ray moved and got his first radio job in in, in Nashville. And it was a hard decision to make. And when you're the boss, you have to make those decisions. But luckily, nobody got fired from them. And so we moved. people. And by the way, this is how racist people are, okay? Eddie came onto the show in a position that had nothing to do with any position we had ever had. We had never been able to pay for someone to do video. Mm-hmm. Had nothing to do with Carlos. But everyone was like, oh, okay, you got to replace one Mexican with another. And I was like, what are you talking? Just because I replaced one Hispanic with another doesn't mean one filled my Hispanic quota on the show. <laughs> that was a whole thing for a while, too. But the jobs were completely different. I mean, Eddie, is a, Eddie was working television as a video editor and is very good at being late and so uh, we go over and and Ray comes in Ray was one of the best decisions I've ever made like still like that keeping that guy around and like illegally keeping him on the show was one of the best decisions I ever made early on how do you feel about Ray?
1: I love Ray right? yeah and as a worker? I mean he's I remember his first day I was like is this guy for real? but then I saw like how hard he
0: worked and he I mean he takes it like a sport I mean (laughs) is just a warrior but like one of Amy's my best decision ever and Ray, right there, is is cl- is close for just a different reason altogether. And so we move, and Carlos stays back, and Mike D, who produces this, and people ask why well, we call you Mike D and not just Mike. There are a lot of Mikes, mm-hmm. and Mike D is just also what your name is. Yeah. It also is like the Beastie Boys. Mike D is what I think of too. Yeah. So. <laughs> there are a lot of. If we just say, "Hey, Mike," I don't know. I mean, there's so many Mikes there there's a lot. There's a lot of Mikes. <laughs> Yeah, we don't, and we call, and Lunchbox has a nickname. Yeah, well, whatever. So we move, and Carlos stays back. And then Carlos leaves and goes, and, you know, he's like managing. I don't know if I've talked to Carlos in a while, honestly. Um, but Mike D takes Carlos's job. And our thought was if things worked out well, Carlos would eventually move over. Mm-hmm. And Mike D took Carlos's job, and then Mike D ended up moving over. Whenever a spot opened up, so we 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 kept waiting for him to give us another spot to open. And when it did, it was always to bring up who we thought would be a great fit. And it would have probably been Carlos, but he wasn't there anymore. And you were you were in that job. And when I would go back and work in Austin, Mike D was always right there, like producing the show, making the show sound great in Austin. And then I was like, Mike, we got a spot, dude. I know you've been doing this for a long time. Move, and you just packed up your crap and moved.
1: Yeah. Did you move even meet right away? Yeah, I did. Did you? Yeah. A couple months?
0: Yeah, I guess so. I was like, oh, I was like just get your stuff, <laughs> move into to my house, and just get here and start working. So there was that. And so, yeah, it's good. And now we, Mike and I hang out, and we share food, and we, we eat Blue Apron. Blue Apron, by the way, I love I – got to say this thing about Blue Apron is that it's – for less than $10 per person per meal, they deliver these recipes, and it comes in a box right to your house. Preportioned ingredients make delicious home-cooked meals, blueapron.com slash bobbycast. We want to thank them for being a, a sponsor on the bobbycast. It wouldn't exist without blue apron. So if you're thinking about this, put in blueapron.com slash bobbycast. Even if you just want to try it, they have new recipes every week. They have a culinary team. And also, let's say you're a dude and you're listening to this. Like, I want to impress my wife or my girlfriend. Or let's say you're a wife or a girlfriend. You're like, man, I want to like make better food for my boyfriend or husband. Or let's say, whatever, you get the point. My point is, is that you'll make great food you never thought about it. It's easy. There's a step-by-step little guide there that tells you how to do it, or I would never be able to do it, honestly. So it's guaranteed to it's good to know where your ingredients come from. Not all ingredients are created equal. And Blue Apron's awesome because it comes to your door in a box. And like I say all the time, I love Blue Apron. BlueApron.com slash Bobbycast. This week's menu. Check it out. You get your first three meals for free with free shipping. Blue Apron dot com slash Bobby cast blue apron a better way to cook blue apron a better way to cook blue apron a better way to cook and so um, how are we doing over there we're good we're good yeah, we got right. five minutes all right give me a uh, let's do some rapid fires
1: all right well, a lot of people want to know about the whole I guess why we can't put music on the podcast Is I have no anymore? idea
0: it's right. licensing issues on iHeartRadio right now and I've seen this go back and forth over the years I have no idea why we can't put music or live performances on except the attorneys say it's licensing Mm -hmm. and we don't have the rights for it so we can't put it out there that's all I really know and I'm just dumb so I don't know it stinks but anything you don't find it's always up on YouTube we used to put things on YouTube which is the weird thing Yeah. for the same reasons for licensing agreements and all of a sudden now we can do so I don't know will it come back I don't know probably eventually and we won't be on YouTube I don't don't know what's happening but it stinks that we can't put live performances on iHeartRadio right now yeah um I'm, because I like to hear them too but I don't really know the real answer because I don't ask I just go by the rules what else? favorite breakfast food? Uh, I eat these really healthy breakfast tacos in the morning it's the only thing that I really eat and it's the only thing I've eaten for months I like the same thing over and over again so basically it's just meat and it's just protein yeah that's probably I mean I, I love waffles with a lot of whipped cream I just don't eat that I haven't had that in forever. I love it. I love waffles with a lot of whipped cream and some syrup and and, and like chocolate chips. Probably that would be the best one.
1: Yeah. What else? Uh, whatever
0: happened to your old neighbor at the condo? No idea. I haven't been in that. I still own that place and I can't even – I can't rent it or sell it because it's the construction of the flood is still happening. Mike D went over there a week and a half ago. Yeah. And it still looks like – It still looks like – like, <laughs> like guys, I'm paying money. And Again, I'm lucky I'm a single guy with a good job or I wouldn't be able to afford it, but I'm paying like I have a mortgage there as well that I'm still paying, which really stinks, but people have worse problems, so I don't complain about it that much. Let me tell you this. That deodorant that I was wearing, Swagger, Mm -hmm. that smells like BO, someone sent me a note that goes First of all, it's called Swagger because it's meant for 13-year-olds, Oh, (laughs) and the the pH balance of it is that, and that's why it smells so strong. It's not meant for adult men. I did not know that. Yeah. So my Old oh, spy swagger is meant for like twelve year olds apparently. That's fine.
1: What else you got? Uh, let's see what we got here. Uh, what's your favorite thing about Arkansas? I mean, it's
0: home. I mean, really, it's like what's your favorite thing about growing up in your house on what road it is? You know, it may not be the best house that you, in the whole neighborhood, but it's still home and it means the most to you. And so, it's just it's just home and it's small and you know every part of it. And it's like real people. It's like good people. I love Arkansas. And so, here's the thing, though, too. Let me put a wrinkle in this. This little wrinkle doesn't mean anything right now, but I do plan on running for governor of Arkansas one day. If something happens and that, that doesn't work out, in a couple of years, I can run for governor in three states, Texas, Arkansas, or Tennessee, So or Senator. So, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Because <laughs> hmm? I've lived somewhere for seven years. Austin, check. Arkansas, check. If I sign another contract here in radio, Nashville, check. I just want to make a difference if it's on the radio or not on the radio or wherever else. Um, yeah, go ahead. By the way, shout out to people who are buying my book. I appreciate that so much. I thought the book sucked. I was talking to my, um, manager today who like makes sure that I'm in the right place at the right time. Like if I'm on a comedy show or raging idiots or, uh, writing a book or she's always like, okay, you have to be here, 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 here. And she was like, Hey, uh, the book, you know, did great in its first week of paperback and, you know we're on the way to doing a second book about something a little bit different but um thank you. I just a sincere thanks because she told me she was like when you send me this when you first finished writing it she goes I kept a note where you said I think this book sucks because I told her that I said I don't think this book's good at all like I don't think anybody's gonna buy it why would someone want to buy it who's interested who in the world would care about a radio DJ and I said all that and I was like I don't think people are gonna buy this book and I felt like it's just not good and I still don't think it's good but a lot of people will come up to me and say, "Hey, I read this and it resonated," and so that matters to me. So I appreciate that. And whenever someone, and if I ever see you out and you're like, and you read the book, um, thank you. And always, if there's something you always want to say and like, "Hey, I read this and it like touched me in a certain way," like let me know because I I really appreciate that stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, thanks. I'm gonna go off too much there. Everybody, today I know we're gonna run over, but yeah, that's okay. Uh, one of the Facebook fights that happened was like, hey, you're just not the same anymore. And I just want to reply, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. And in some ways, I think I'm a better person. In some ways, I think I have work to do in better, in different ways. I wouldn't say work. I mean, okay, for lack of other terms, some ways I'm better, some ways I'm worse. And I think we constantly go in those directions. Mm-hmm. Like I struggle and I'm getting better at being emotionally vulnerable in human circumstances and and talking face-to-face with people. Not good at that. Um, I always, I feel uncomfortable when people compliment me. So what I do is, if I need to get a point across, I'll just say the compliment about myself real quick and move on and people are like, oh look at the the humble brag. I'm like, yeah, you're right, but you know what? I feel much more comfortable doing that myself than somebody else compliment. I don't like when people say nice things about me. It doesn't feel comfortable. So if I'm like, yeah, this happened, you know, we put a record out, it's top five record, we made, thank you very much. People are like, oh, look at the humble brag. You know what? Okay, but if someone were to come in the studio and be like, hey, I, I saw you like get raging eighty Tracker was a top five country record, number one comedy record, I'd be like, ugh, <laughs> let's move on. I don't <laughs> like that. So that does come off and rub people in a certain way, um, and they're like, well, now that you have fancy friends, I don't have fancy friends. <laughs> I really don't have fancy friends, and I. There's, no, there's nothing that's famous. Have I worked? You have to also understand that I focus all 90. I have a girlfriend now, so it's a little different, but she works a lot too. Like I work 27 days straight or so and take a day off, and that's kind of the thing. So if you work a lot and you love what you do, your rate of success is a little higher. And so I failed a lot, but I've also succeeded in some things. And so, yes, things have changed for that for me. Do I make a little more money? Yep. Do I get to do some cooler things? Yep. Sometimes, does it make me uncomfortable? I still feel like the guy that doesn't fit in, for sure. But, yeah, I, I'm, just, I'm just I'm not the same person. And when I do this podcast in a year, I won't be the same person. I won't be. And people will be like, oh, you're just not the same. You're not the same as you were when you were doing nights in Little Rock, when you were you know, the humblest. I was like 19 years old I know what I was doing that's stupid Yeah, <laughs> um, but I'm just not the same and I apologize for when you get mad at me for doing stuff but I just try to be as real as possible even if it's not pleasant and there you go that's it anything else we're good also I do want to say this our camouflage pimp and joy shirts will go up in a couple of weeks we're working and I don't want to give the details out quite yet maybe I give out a bit probably uh, my favorite so far, what the camo ones, yeah, the ca- they're awesome. Um, here's what I can tell you is that it will be helping Air Force Captain Nathan Nelson. And we don't keep any of the money for Pim and Joy shirts. And for those, in any case you thought that, we don't. His camp was hit by a grenade on his third tour in Afghanistan in 2013, I think, and he took a big part of the blast. And so spinal injuries and collapsed lungs and a brain injury. And now he has no movement below his chest and his hands he has limited use too. And this is a hero. And with these camouflage shirts, these pimp and joy shirts that are that'll be up in a couple of weeks. Our goal is to raise sixty thousand dollars for he needs special like special housing so he can get in and out and mm-hmm. be able to be mobile. And so it's and I'm getting into the weeds here, but it's like concrete material slaps, framing. Uh, roof tru- trusses, roof shingles—like this—is this stuff he needs for the house. And what I think our listeners will do is, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to. Everybody wants these shirts anyway because it's a great message. But we'd like to use it also for reasons, and I th- we're going to help Air Force Captain Nathan Nelson. Hasn't been announced on the air yet. We may kind of announce it tomorrow. So if you're hearing this tonight, I may. Are you hearing it in a week? We may have already announced it, but that's where it's going to go. Um, so yeah, we're going to work with Building Homes for Heroes and it's going to be a thing. And It's going to be a great thing and things like this wouldn't happen without you guys that listen to the show or listen to the podcast and you probably wouldn't listen to the podcast if you didn't listen to the show mm-hmm. Or, uh, but but thank you. Anyway, thanks ahead of time and that's kind of the deal on that. Maybe we can do an early bird because um, we only have limited camouflage shirts yeah. so maybe we can get on the podcast to give a code out early or something like that. All right, thank you guys. Um, appreciate you listening check you charlie warsham being next week yep love that dude um on the horizon with uh, some guests we have uh charlie warsham john oates john oates from hollow Oates. Mm-hmm. yeah that one to be cool yeah shane McInally, huge producer writer uh runs a record label now sign walker hayes like it's gonna be one of those really awesome writer ones like shane McInally really created sam hunt's sound yeah um, so he's going to be in too. So I'm really looking forward to the next few weeks. We're talking to Karen Fairchild from Little Big Town. They have a record coming out Friday. So it's going to be a, a bit before we can get them in because we're doing all the press stuff. But Karen wants to come into the house and do do the show too. So as always, thank you and we'll catch you next time here. Uh, and We appreciate it and this is uh hmm. leave you with this Miriam Hill down they start following <laughs> me on Twitter today <laughs> really they only follow like 90 people sometimes you'll get someone who's verified to follow you or from a famous. you're like oh you yeah. like how uh, they follow 80,000 people you are like but then I follow like 95 people and I was like that's cool <laughs> man thanks for listening
1: guys <laughs>
0: 39 uh, I looked it up the asterisk, the asterisk is gone thanks guys for listening to the Bobbycast goodbye